Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Forgiven people are commanded by God to forgive. Now, whenever God commands us to do that, he gives us the power to do it. Because in myself, I'm saying, no way I'm going to forgive. But we're able to forgive because God gives us the power to forgive. Remember, when he commands us to do something, he enables us to do it. So not only does obedience produce a soft heart, here's the next thing you want to write. Living in forgiveness produces a soft heart. You've probably heard someone say something like, I could never forgive that person for what they did. It may have been something horrible like rape or murder or the like. You totally get why they feel the way they do. This hardening of resolve against forgiveness can happen in marriages too, though. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about this and the disasters that can result. You'll hear about the need for couples to learn to forgive each other, no matter how hard it is. You'll learn that when they become willing to forgive, that God's right there, giving them the power to make that forgiveness stick. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his series called Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. So Matthew 15, 19 says, it's not really about the outside. Because see, in our homes, we look pretty good sometimes. Even here, you look really good. We look pretty good. We're all dressed up. We're fine. Shorts, doesn't matter, whatever. We're okay on the outside. But see, man looks on the outside. God always looks at the heart. The heart is always a problem. The heart isn't right. It's flawed. And Jesus made one more statement, which is a shocker to us. Jesus said the reason for divorce comes from a hard heart. Well, how do we get a hard heart? Well, it doesn't just happen day one, the heart gets hard. You know, when you and I are born in America, if we keep eating this kind of food that they've given us and all this kind of stuff that's there, what happens eventually, over time, the old vessels in the heart get hard. And pretty soon comes a heart attack. So that's what happens in our marriages. We don't get along. We're not listening to God. And pretty soon in that marriage, there's two people with really hard hearts to each other. And of course, to God. Well, the Bible says, guard my heart. How do I stop that? What's the spiritual drug that I can take? I want to give you two. How do I keep my heart soft? Let me read it to you. Hebrews 13 says this. Today, when you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. So if I hear God and obey God, my heart stays soft. Write this down today, please. Living in obedience produces a soft heart. 
God is always speaking. Do you know he's speaking right now? So here I am, I'm you. And you're sitting here. And you say, Pastor Mark, it's pretty quiet in here today. Well, that's because God's dealing with our hearts. And by the way, there's nobody that God isn't speaking to. He's speaking to me just as much as he is you. In fact, he's been speaking to me all week about this. So if I hear him, and you're hearing him, and I obey him, then I defeat Satan because my heart is staying soft. Now, if I disobey or I ignore his words that I've spoken to you today, then my heart gets harder and harder and harder. And in a marriage, eventually divorce. But Pastor Mark, the next one will be better. Really? You already saw that lie. Why? Because now we have two people with hard hearts from previous marriages who never honored God. That's why the church is no different. Because we look on the outside and just try to deal with outward stuff. I've been here three out of four weeks, Pastor Mark. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty good. How's your heart? Well, it's not just obeying God, but it's obeying God very specifically. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, New Testament. And let's look at two more weights that we see with Adam and Eve. The weights of anger and hurt. Get down to verse 26, if you will. Paul writes this. In your anger, do not sin. Now watch this. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And then this amazing warning. Verse 26 and 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. Here are more of God's directions and commandments. God says, don't go to bed with unresolved hurts and conflicts. Don't allow Satan during the night to build up resentment. Let me go over to this chair here for a moment. Anybody in this room ever go to bed angry with your spouse? Let me see your hand. Good. How was that for you during the night? Great, wasn't it? As far as, you know, you wanted a triple, triple, triple king-size bed. Don't touch me with that toe. Why'd you laugh? You know what God really wants in this? You know what that verse says there? Just a single bed and turn the fan on. But what do we do? We want a king, 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 king. Or the couch in another bedroom. I wrote something down many years ago. It's always stayed with me. Listen to this statement. Going to bed angry is like wet cement because it hardens during the night. I've been there. And the next morning, the thing we were fighting about was worse that morning than it was the night before. So the scripture's right. You see, the weights of anger and sin don't get better unless you address it. They get worse. Well, there's another one. Scoot on down to verse 31 and 32. You're right there. Paul goes on and he lists the weights of bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, remember, there's nobody in this room. There's nobody that this goes by. We've all been there. Now, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. 
well, how do I forgive somebody I don't want to forgive? Well, here's your role model. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. Adam and Eve, their greatest need is forgiveness. Understand that forgiveness always starts with God. That's why those of you that haven't turned your life over to God yet, you can't ever have real forgiveness. Now, as I said earlier, life for all of us is painful. Some hurts, just impossible to be avoided. By the way, the reason that is, the basis of being hurt is sin. In the garden, before sin, there was no hurt. There was no anger. There was no bitterness. There was no separation. There was no fussing at each other at all. There was no hurts. But the minute sin came, hurt entered our world. Well, if I'm going to enjoy life, I have to learn how to handle those hurts. And the solution to hurts is always real forgiveness that starts with God. Now, it's interesting in the verse you just read. God requires forgiven people to forgive. Well, who are forgiven people? Well, if you're a Christian today, are you a forgiven person? Hello? Well, who forgave you? Jesus did. Did you deserve it? No, we didn't deserve it. In fact, the Bible says he died before we even knew him. He died for you and he died for me. Again, I'm back to that role. The role model is Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't want to forgive her. You don't know what he did to me. Well, what did we do to Jesus? We nailed him to the cross. See, it wasn't the Romans. It wasn't the Jews. It was your sin. It was my sin that nailed him to the cross. But he went lovingly for me so that I could be forgiven and spend eternity with him. Well, that's the role model. Forgiven people are commanded by God to forgive. Now, whenever God commands us to do that, he gives us the power to do it. Because in myself, I'm saying, no way I'm going to forgive. But we're able to forgive because God gives us the power to forgive. Remember, when he commands us to do something, he enables us to do it. So not only does obedience produce a soft heart, Here's the next thing you want to write. Living in forgiveness produces a soft heart. So let's just look at the opposite. If I don't obey, hard heart. If I don't forgive, hard heart. End of that in a marriage is divorce. Or hell in a home. Individually, disaster in your life. A hard heart. Don't care about God. Not interested in the things of God? Don't talk to me about the things of God. How'd that happen? Not listening and obeying the word of God and living with unforgiveness. So God requires that. Now, let's over and see how Adam and Eve handle these weights. Go back to Genesis where you were, chapter 3, verse 9. Now, as you go there, you see something amazing. Look at verse 9. Remember, Adam and Eve are on the shore. They have no clue what's going to happen next. If you've ever read this chapter, you know what's going to happen next. They don't know. They're hopeless. Look what it says in verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man. How you read the next few words in this verse tells me what you think about the character of God. 
if you think these next few words that God spoke to Adam are this. Adam, where are you? Get over here. Then you have the wrong concept of God. Let me ask you a question. Very simple answer. Who's making the first move in this scenario? God's making the first move. So write this down, if you will. When we fail, God, and circle that word lovingly when you write it, God lovingly seeks us out. You might be here the first time you've ever come and you're going, man, never going back to that place. Man, God's angry at me. He's going to kill me. He's going to knock me down. He's whatever. Hard, hard. What's that? No, no, no. You missed it. You missed it. You're here because God loves you. He's got a solution for your problem. You're in a mess. You see, when those words came out in that garden, and we don't know exactly what it sounded like, but it certainly wasn't like, where are you again over here? Here's what it sounded like to me. Adam, where are you? Now, is it because God didn't know where he was? No, he's trying to get him to admit he's hiding. God takes the initiative, and he searches for Adam and Eve. He already knows where they're at. And he does it because he loves them. Well, look at 10. And he answered, well, I hid in the garden because I was afraid and I was naked, so I hid. And he said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, was God there going like, well, I don't know why you're hiding. Did you do something? No, he knew exactly what they did. What was God doing there? He's saying to Adam, will you confess to me what you did? When we read the word confess in the Bible, the word confess in the Bible just means this, to say the same thing that God says. So when he's saying to Adam, did you eat of the apple in the garden? He's just saying, Adam, say to me, yeah, I ate of the apple in the garden. That's all confession is. Did you cheat on your wife? Did you lie about your income tax? Yes, God, I did. That's confession. That's all it is. God already knew what he did. He wants Adam to say it. Outright, no excuses. But watch the next wait. Look in verse 12. And the man said, notice he doesn't answer the way he should have. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So what's he saying? He doesn't even address how I ate it. He said, that crazy woman you gave me. (laughs) Now, By the way, who is he blaming, really? Two things. God, because he gave her the woman and woman. That's pretty dangerous, isn't it? It's your fault, God. Well, does it get any better with Eve? Look at Eve. Verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Same deal. Would you agree what you've done? Well, the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So what weight are added to Adam and Eve? The weight of blame. For each other. The blame game is very common in our marriage. Most of us don't want to take responsibility. I'll just tell you what we do in marriage counseling so you'll understand. When people come in for marriage counseling in front of the pastors, here's basically what happens. They come in, they sit down, and I say basically to me, you know, okay, what's the issue? Here's what happened. Well, if, if my husband would do what's right, we wouldn't even need to be here. And he'll say, well, not really. If my wife would do what's right, we wouldn't need to be here. So they do this. You're familiar with that, aren't you? 
I'm familiar with it. So let me tell you how we handle that in the, in the office. When they do that, I break both of their fingers right at the core here. <laughs> so if you want to come in from counseling, just sign up out there. No problem at all. We'll be glad to do it for you. I'm just kidding you. Where does blame come from? You've heard the old story. Someone shakes a bottle of Coke and it comes out. Spews all over the place. Somebody says to him, well, why did the Coke come out? Well, because it was shaken. No, the Coke didn't come out with shaken. The Coke came out because it was in the bottle. See, the sin that's in me comes out. Out of the heart. So what do we do about the blame game? Take a look at this verse. I rewrote it. It's the Balmer translation. Take responsibility for your own weights, your own sins. Strip them off by asking God to forgive you. Then work together with your spouse and enjoy your ride on the river of life. You see, we don't want to take responsibility for what we do. We want to blame somebody else. Why aren't you speaking your wife? Well, it's her fault. Really? No, it's your fault. You can make it right. Well, I'm not going to make the first move. Really? Well, what's the scripture say to do? I know, but. Forget the but. Take responsibility. We need to take responsibility for the childish actions that we do. Or the sins that we get into. That's all it's saying. Adam and Eve have to take their own responsibility. The answer to God should have been, yes, I ate the apple, I sinned. Eve should have said, I was deceived. I shouldn't have ever even been near the tree. It's my fault. That's a great way to say to God, I agree with you, God. It's my fault. Well, here they sit, blame, game, regret, all kind of stuff. They have no hope. What's going to happen? In verses 14 to 20, we're not going to read it today. Let me tell you what happens. But first of all, notice... Whenever we sin, there's always consequences. The woman is told she's going to suffer in childbirth. And by the way, in those verses, she's told that she will be subject to her husband. Next, it says the man is sentenced to earn his livelihood from the ground, cursed with thorns and thistles. See, before sin, man worked, but it wasn't hard work. Now it's going to be hard. Toil and sweat the rest of his life. And then, of course, not just those two little things, but God said, if you eat of it, you'll die. So the minute Adam and Eve ate, spiritually, they died. Later, physically, they would die. Well, after they hear that, is that the end of the story? No, Adam and Eve were looking to hear God say some amazing words to them. It's the same words that you and I need to hear today. Write these four sentences down, please. Here's what God says to Adam and Eve. Number one, failure is not final. Number two, Adam and Eve, forgiveness is available for you. Number three, Adam and Eve, you can have a new start. And number four, Adam and Eve, you're in a mess but I can make it a miracle. But you're going to have to admit and receive 
forgiveness. You see, that's exactly the words I need to hear. And that's exactly the words you need to hear. Failure is not final. Forgiveness is available. I can have a new start. God can take a mess and make a miracle. Well, how did that happen? Where did those words come from? Pastor Mike, I don't see that there. Oh, they're right there. Look at verse 15. God says, I will put enmity between you, speaking to Satan, and the woman, speaking to women and mankind. And between your offspring, Satan, the demons, and hers. Hers means one day coming from woman would be the solution to man's sin. Well, who would that be? Jesus Christ. Then notice what he says. He, the savior of the world, Satan, he will crush your head. But you, Satan, will strike his heel. Understand that God went searching for Adam and Eve to forgive them and restore them, not to condemn them. God was going to provide a permanent solution for man's biggest problem, sin and separation from God. God in this passage promises a solution to the whole world. That's good news. The first good news of the Bible is announced in verse 15 to two people who have just failed and have no hope. What does that verse really mean? Satan would get, he thought, the end of Jesus. Jesus goes to a cross. It's going to have to be shedding the blood. He goes to the cross, and it says that his heel will be pierced, was it? It was. When Satan saw Jesus die, he says, over with. But that's not the end of verse 15. See, verse 15, look at it again. He says, he will crush your head. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. What did he do to Satan when he rose from the dead? He crushed his head. So that means Satan is absolutely defeated. Well, Pastor Mark, I think he's still alive around here. I've been sleeping on the couch for four days. He is. He's just on a long chain. He's already been defeated. Write it down. Because see, this is where the hope comes from. Understand, you have the ability to defeat him today. Marriage, the deceiver, is active. He's still active. But his end is in sight. It's over with. Eventually, he will be placed in the lake of fire. No more temptation. No more sin. He's already defeated. That was announced to Adam and Eve thousands of years ago. Satan's hold on man is no longer there. I can defeat Satan as he tries to destroy me in my life. I can defeat Satan as he tries to destroy me in my marriage. I can defeat Satan as he tries to destroy me in every area of life. Through what? The power of the Holy Spirit resides within me. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about how marital problems begin with the individuals and their sin nature. You heard about how each person's fallen nature keeps people from doing what they know is best for their relationship. If you're willing to submit to God, He'll help change your life. And then God can begin to work with you on your marriage relationship. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this finishes off another part of Pastor Mark's teaching, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. Next time, he'll begin another installation of this message. You'll hear more about God's original design for marriage and Satan's corruption of it. Pastor Mark will be telling you more about God's plan for restoration of both mankind and marriages. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving